for they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of the dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The choice is before us. Live in darkness or live in the light. We can't choose how dark the darkness is. We have no input on how bright the light is. We can't change their nature. So what's left to change? Us. There's a decision to be made. This morning, our quest is to grow in wisdom. Proverbs 4, 10 through 19. This paragraph is a call to grow in wisdom. Last week, the emphasis was on relating with wisdom so that you can develop a relationship with wisdom. And we understand that. We understand if you relate with something, handle it enough, talk with it enough, talk to somebody enough, spend enough time with them, relating with them becomes a relationship, but it takes effort, it takes time, it takes grace, it takes forgiveness on both parties when it's a relationship. We know there's give and take. There has to be because we're human and we're not perfect. How then do we operate with God who is perfect? Very similar ways. We have to relate with his word. We relate with his spirit. We relate with him by prayer and Bible study and spending time with other Christians in a way that we take our faith away from relating and it becomes a relationship. But that's not the end. Because if you know anything about a relationship, you don't reach a certain point and stop. We call that a divorce. A relationship is meant to grow and grow and grow. This morning, Lady Wisdom, the voice of wisdom, expects you to personally grow and mature. Even if you don't personally grow and mature very much, your relationship with wisdom can grow and mature. The more you spend time with God and God's wisdom, the more you learn about Him. He's the one who must increase in your life. This burden of growth and relationship, it's not, not something that should weigh you down. Jesus says many times over, His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Our faith, when it feels like it's the hardest, it's usually when we are spinning the fastest and going nowhere. Instead of resting, receiving, communing, and finding a deep connection with God no matter what is going on in life. Relationship, growth. The Bible uses many metaphors and figures of speech to explain spiritual truth to us. Uh, spiritual truths about God are really, really abstract. They're otherworldly. God is a spirit. We are created beings. 
Therefore, when God tries to teach us about spiritual things, namely himself, he has to speak in terms that resonate with us, speak in figures of speech that we are close to, so we kind of bridge the gap. He bridges the gap to help us understand who he is. And this morning in this passage, the figure of speech he uses is travel or walking. So gaining wisdom is equated with traveling a path on a long journey. Even our opening scripture, Psalm 23, when you visualize it, leads me, feeds me, though I walk. It's, it's, it's about getting somewhere, or is it? Psalm 23, is it about getting somewhere? Or is it about who you're traveling with? Same thing with wisdom. It's not just about the destination. I have arrived. That's not what this life is about. It's about who you live with. Who you commune with. And the words of Jesus, who you love. Love the Lord your God or something else. So write down some of these words that are highlighted in this passage that, that help me understand that this is a, a figure of speech to help me understand God. What kind of words does he use? Verse 11 uses the word way, uses the word path. Verse 12, the idea of walk, step, run. It says not to stumble. That, that's a pretty descriptive word of movement, right? Like there's purpose, there's meaning. It's a path. It's a journey. Verse 14 mentions a path, mentions walking. And I, I'm getting this vibe that it's not a strain. Yes, there are moments in your life where your faith is a race. The Apostle Paul will talk about that or a wrestling match. All of those are figures of speech to help us understand our spiritual journey. But the most dominant description of our spiritual journey in scripture has this idea to it walking the walk of faith living it out from day to day from step to step from moment to moment pass on don't stumble stay on the path verse 19 stumble kind of like sounds like he doesn't want us to stumble 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 <laughs> kind of sounds like he wants us to keep keeping on all these words help us imagine life as a journey. As you know, a journey has a beginning and a destination, but there are many, many decisions to be made in between. Many. Our faith has a starting point. We understand meeting God, heaven, eternal life is the ending point, and we have many decisions to make. Now, after death, we actually start a new journey, a new life with God, eternal life. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, that, not today. We're, what we're talking about here in Proverbs, Proverbs is talking about this part of your life right here. You know the Lord. He's your destination. In the meantime, you need to live life with Him. Lady wisdom represents the presence of God in your life. 
He wants you to marry yourself to her, to himself now. Don't just say you believe and then start living it later on eternal life. We believe and we pursue and we walk and we try not to stumble. Why does he say not to stumble? Because you will. But then he says, get back on the path. Get back on track. Follow the ways of wisdom. Follow the ways of eternal life. So the journey we are on now is the life that Solomon addresses. He's addressing this to his own kids. Now grab your Bible. I want to read some of these. We're going to read these in three sections again. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13 together and then 14 through 17 together, 18 and 19 together. Um, just, we've, we've got the understanding. It's a journey. It's a path. Stick with it. Verses 10 through 13. Hear, my son, accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. So keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Verses 10 through 13 show us that wisdom is a way of life. Wisdom is supposed to be a way of everyday living. This is not hit or miss. This is not something you can choose once and then you're set forever. This is, this is not just a singular commitment in space and in time that you can look back on and base the rest of your life on. It's supposed to be something you base your life on every moment of every day. You live it. And it's a relationship. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. Verse 13. Keep hold of instruction, which sounds like an abstract thing. Do not let go. Guard her. There he, there he goes again, talking about God's wisdom very personally. Guard her. Guard her. Her. She doesn't need me. I think of the man who married <laughs> a woman who was a black belt in Taekwondo. <laughs> uh, they were walking down the streets of Chicago one day and they were mugged. The man stepped up to defend his wife. Yeah, right. She doesn't need your help. He gets knocked out cold, wakes up later with an EMT dabbing his head just to see his mugger also getting an EMT attention and his wife is doing the dabbing and she's proud of him. Failed horribly. Lady Wisdom does not need your help but you're supposed to step up and try for the one you love. Even if you fail, do they? I know many of the women in this room could manage their houses provide for their children and do everything this is not a gender thing but it's a responsibility thing and husbands are called to step up I know your wife can pray better than you I know in many cases she's more spiritual than you that doesn't mean you can't lead you still step up and do your part you still step up and try it's not we're not allowed to defer our responsibility and in this passage, Solomon is telling his son, step up. She's all that you need. 
She will guard you. She will instruct you. She will take care of you. Wisdom, God's presence. But you also have a responsibility to guard her. Why? Because God said so. That's it. Step up. We guard our kids. We guard our own thoughts. We guard our own minds. That's, that's important. But I'm trying to disconnect also the fact that you're, you, you're not going to guard perfectly. And if things go sideways, it's, it's sometimes it's just because we live under the sun in a cursed world surrounded by evil and darkness. And yet, we can walk in the light. Wisdom is a way of life. 14, verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Wisdom is active resistance. Wisdom needs to be active resistance. We acknowledge that there is evil. We acknowledge that there's a lot of wrong going on, but we, uh, we try to purposefully avoid it. Not just in ourselves, but in our lives. We try not to, Psalm 1, we try not to walk with the wicked, sit down with the scornful, or stand in the presence of those who slander God. It's important for there to be a degree of separation between you and evil. You're not just all in going with it all of the time. Be careful, little ears what you hear, little hands, what you do, little eyes, what you see. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Active resistance. We can't ignore it. We're not supposed to pay attention to it. We pay attention to what is right. And we learn along the way. Verses 18 and 19. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Such a strong contrast. Wisdom grows upwards while wickedness stumbles downwards. The contrast here is to grow or die, to gain or to lose. If you haven't been up early enough for a sunrise in a while, you need one. You can go back to sleep and take a nap after you watch it, but get up and be reminded of what verse 18 is like. It is, a, it is an astounding image of a daily reality that every time the sun rises, every single day, we need to remember that God is faithful. He's established things in an orderly way that we can depend upon Him to provide what our earth needs, what our farms need, what our own skin and our own men mental health needs. We can depend on Him. Like the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. What does the dawn do? It shines brighter and brighter until the full day.
it shines brighter and brighter. Is that how you would describe your spiritual life? Shining. God shining in your heart brighter and brighter. Or does it feel dark? You feel like you're in the deep darkness. Do you feel like you're stumbling nonstop over and over again, making the same mistakes over and over? I got a newsflash for you. Your heart is dark and desperately wicked. And the only way for the light to shine is for you to let it. It's going to keep shining. You can't make it shine, but you are, you do have some decisions to make about what you see, what you put into your body, what, where you go, who you hang out with, how you meditate, what you're going to do with your time. Are you going to let God in? Give him an inch and he will take a mile. He will transform you through your surrender. He will transform you and change you as you give him more time relationship remember and it's the light that brings the growth the growth the seed is not under the ground working so hard i gotta shoot these branches up i gotta work ah the the seed is not struggling all it does is respond to the heat and the brightness of the sun and the parable of the soils it's only the good soil that brings forth the fruit. What is good soil? It is soil that has been cut and dug and ground and beaten and plowed and turned. You not know why your life might feel a little upside down sometimes? Because God has taken a spade and ripped that life upside down on purpose so that you can grow. Turn to the light. Turn and grow. Let yourself grow. It's like you, I'm giving you permission to give yourself permission to grow. You don't have to be stuck in how you've been abused. You don't have to be stuck in how you were raised. You don't have to be stuck because your boss or your manager is this kind of person. You be the right person. You be the one walking in the light and the darkness will fade. Let God in, let him change you. You can walk this path of righteousness no matter where you have grown up, no matter what you've experienced or where you find yourself planted now, that brightness can come. Open your eyes. It is all around you. It comes up every day. If you can't handle the dark, don't live in Nome, Alaska. I always suffer from depression for these seven months of the year. Move! I just can't handle the rain of Seattle. And so lots of people are moving to South Dakota. Texas. I got a lot of sunshine down there. And other things. Big things. Everything's bigger down there move you can make some decisions in your life remember many decisions you can make along the way that can make your path smoother and god gives you those abilities 
Sometimes we're just comfortable and we're, we operate out of fear. Well, that, I, I'm, unco- I'm nervous, I'm shy. And we make all these excuses of why we don't let God's brightness shine on us. He's trying and you're like, cover it, cover it. Like, no, no, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna stay here and be miserable. Have fun with that. Or grow. To grow in wisdom is to walk, to not stumble, to walk a path, to take, make purposeful decisions. So verses 18 and 19, wisdom grows upwards. Write that down. Wisdom grows, grows up. Wickedness stumbles downwards. We have to grow or we die. We're either gaining or we are losing. Now I'm turning to Matthew chapter 5. I haven't outlined this part out. We'll see how it goes. So good luck following along with me. Matthew chapter 5. What does Jesus expect for his people? I see what Solomon expects for his sons. It's part of the canon of scripture, which means Solomon has a lot of wisdom for us and instruction for us. Children of God. Okay, I could see the, I see the correlation here. And along comes Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Matthew 5. I'm just going to read 3 through 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. What is Jesus talking about? I think Jesus is saying wisdom is a way of life. Always broken and poor in spirit. Always mourning over their sin and the sin of the world. Always meek. Not grasping everything in this life. They're going to inherit the earth. Always hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's the only thing that will satisfy them. Merciful. Because they have and they continue to receive God's mercy. It makes you merciful. Pure in heart. Because their heart, their mind, their idea, their thought life is focused on seeing God at work in them and in everybody else. Peacemakers. That's what the children of God are. It's not what they do. That's who they are. It doesn't say do these things and you're a son of God. Do these things and you're a daughter of God. You are a daughter of God? Let's read the checklist. Here's how we live. This is what it looks like. This is not what you do to be right with God. This is what it looks like when wisdom is the way of life starts to ooze out of you you are a chip off the cosmic block start acting like your father start imitating lady wisdom Jesus is saying the same thing Matthew 5.10 blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, verse 11. Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you, verse 13. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. Verse 14, the light of the world. Verse 21, you shall not murder. Verse 27, you shall not commit adultery. Write this down. Wisdom is active resistance. Jesus is saying the same thing. Salt, light, saying no to your lustful heart, saying no to your, your murderous anger. I just can't help it. Lie. You can help it. You can turn away and stop stumbling in darkness and walk in the light. Be merciful. Show mercy. Understand that God has been merciful to you. Understand God has made peace with you. So now you can be peaceable. You can be merciful. You have to understand who God is, who you are with God, that Jesus offers you that, and you have to respond. God expects a response. God expects active resistance against evil. It's a way of life, wisdom. It's active resistance. And I'm going to tweak that last one. We already wrote down wisdom grows upwards. With Jesus, I'm going to rephrase that and say wisdom grows nearer to God. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my kingdom, not my will, yours. 6.24 No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and anything else, especially money. You want to grow nearer to God Choose who you are going to love. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Those who enter it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Imagine that. Jesus says, the way of wisdom is like walking a path. Where did he get that from? Jesus is teaching what Solomon is teaching. It's the same truth. Jesus isn't making anything up. He's just reteaching it, bringing it back down to earth, putting it right in your lap. Which way are you going to walk today? Wisdom grows nearer to the heart of God the Father. So we need to love God first. Enter through the narrow gate. Okay, Craig. You've told me a lot of things. Help me grow in wisdom. Do you want to grow? Do you see the need to grow? I mean, you see the need, right? Life is a path. We need it every day. We need to actively resist and we need to grow. So what can I do to grow in wisdom? Okay, if you want to grow in wisdom, I got some words for you to write down. The first word is read. That's a big one. Read your Bible. Read your devotional. Get a reading plan. Check it off. 
The mission is not to get through your Bible in a year. If you can and you have the time to do that, awesome. Read something. Start your day with it. Do it at lunch. Do it before you go to bed. Do it regularly. Make sure your church is reading it with you. Ask other people to read with you. Our church is trying to make a huge emphasis on reading Scripture together. Your small group should be reading Scripture together. You and your, in your family time, if you, you know, read. Read. Read personally. Read corporately. Read. Slowly and deliberately. I have to say this for those of you who are strong readers. Some of you read a lot. And when you get to the Bible... You need to read it differently than you read everything else. You need to slow down and read it deliberatively, actively. You're not just observing it like other books and other stories. Or if you're in the middle of school and your teachers are making you read and it's killing you, don't come to the Bible thinking that this is just, oh, more words from God. No, this word is life. This word is showing us God. It's not to be burdensome. It's not to knock you out. It's not a sleeping potion. Read deliberately, purposefully. If you have to journal, if you have to write things down, if you have to highlight things, you have to copy and paste and print verses off, put them on your car, put them on your mirror, put them on whatever you're addicted to, put your verses on that. I've had to tell my drummers before, put your Bible on top of your drum set. So every time you sit down, you have to move it. And that will remind you, Craig said, you need to read this as much as you practice. One, because I'm tired of hearing you practice so much. It's super loud and neighbors are calling. But two, you just put it on top of your Xbox, your PlayStation, your Wii. Put it on top of your tackle box, your bicycle. Where do you spend so much time that if you took 10, 15 minutes away from it, it wouldn't kill you. Read. Next word is pray. I don't know how to pray. Great. The Bible has an entire book to teach you how to pray. It's called Psalms. Pray through the Psalms out loud. Make the words of the Bible your words. You don't have to make up anything. Gonna talk about your enemies, gonna talk about your kids, gonna talk about work, gonna talk about your heart, gonna talk about your neighbors, gonna talk about your enemies, gonna talk about work, gonna talk about your kids, gonna talk about life together corporately, it's gonna talk about the sun, the moon, and the stars, it's gonna talk about good times, gonna talk about bad times, gonna talk about good health, gonna talk about bad health. Pray the Psalms out loud. Pray them. Make them your prayer. You don't have to make up anything. And as you read them out loud to God, some of those you're going to be like, that is so me today. It's amazing. It's amazing. Here's the third word, commit. Make a decision on a church family. Show up, help out, and start fulfilling all the one another's of Scripture. Start with forgive one another because we all are weird 
and we all have problems and our personalities don't even mesh. I mean, these people over here don't want to sit anywhere near the people who are over here. It's just, there may be a good reason for that. But when I say commit, it involves, starts with baptism. A believer's baptism. Somebody in their own conscience and their own will acknowledging that they are following Jesus and then following the Lord in baptism because Jesus says to. Follow the Lord in baptism and you find a church family. You don't have to know everything about them but you need to know where they stand on the Bible and you make a commitment. What does that commitment entail? Supporting one another. Praying for one another. If you are a member of this church, I strongly recommend you pick up a prayer sheet and you pray for each other. You join a small group. You lead a small group. You help out in Tiny Tots, in the nursery. Well, my kids are grown and gone. Good for you. I'm glad you didn't kill them. Now you'll be extra patient because you have so much experience. Now you can help out with all the other little boogers because we got some moms that want to come to church and they need a break. And they should, they should find a break when they come here. Should be a good thing. Helping one another, serving one another, committing to one another, giving. The, third, the fourth word is talk. Talk about your faith with other Christians and with non-Christians. Learning to talk about your faith. I'm, I'm shying away from the word evangelism because I think you have a lot of preconceived ideas of what that means. Talk about how good God is. Why are you serving me today? You don't have, you don't, especially if somebody's coming through a line or you just have a real quick interaction with somebody at a traffic light or in Walmart and you're gonna help them and then you gotta go do your thing. At least the, the very minimum that comes out of your mouth should be something like, Jesus has been so good to me. I wanna be good to you. You're lifting him up. You're promoting him, talking about your faith. If you have longer than that, then you can go into more detail. But it doesn't always even have to be an invitation. Do you want to respond and receive the Lord right now? You're like, I'm just your waitress and I got to go serve other tables. Like, like that, that may not be the moment to go super deep. But you can talk about your faith with everyone, everywhere, in every situation. Especially if you're a regular there. You if you're anything like me, you're a creature of habit, right? You got the same checkout line. You got the same meal plan. You just you kind of go the same places. Talk about your faith. It'll probably blow some people's mind. You're a Christian? <laughs> That's the best response. You're, I get that at the YMCA. You're a pastor? Like, sheesh, I don't talk much over here. <laughs> do I need to wear a t-shirt? No, I do not need to wear a t-shirt. <laughs> Next word, write down the word serve. If we're doing this, if we're reading, we're praying, we're committing to a church family. When I say serve here, it's more along the lines of serving someone who can't pay you back. Everyone needs to have somebody or several somebodies in their life that they serve and that person cannot pay them back. That's a really important part 
of maturing in your faith. God is pouring into you, shining the light, shining the light, you're growing. You need to find, go out of your way. Could be a neighbor, could be a, a, a widow neighbor, a single mom who's a neighbor. Um, could be just, if you don't have anybody, see Kim and Cheryl, they can point you to somebody on Saturdays. There are a lot of needy people in our town. You can go serve at the welcome table on Sunday nights, 4.30 to 5.30. Just serve people food. Sit down, eat with them every now and then. Giving your time to people. It's not always serving by, with money. Sometimes it's your attention. People just need somebody to talk to. Serve somebody who can't pay you back. Take your kids along as well. That's always fun. The last word I want you to write down is organize. Organize your life for long-term ministry. You need to pour time and attention into your marriage. You need to read a book. You need to go to a seminar. You need to go to a conference. Or maybe you just need to take your wife on a date. It's been a long time. You need to organize your will, your estate, organize your retirement. So that if anything happens to you, you're not leaving a mess behind. You're not creating family drama simply because you didn't plan. You're organizing your life for long-term ministry and to be a good steward. Some of you need to learn to live on a budget. You might need to learn to, to give regularly. Some of you need to clean up your tax situation and steward the rest of your life well because you're organizing your life for long-term service so you don't hit a roadblock someday, but you're extending the window of opportunity you have to give and to serve and meet the needs of other people. Does that make sense? You can give away everything you've got today, but then tomorrow somebody's gonna have to take care of you. Proverbs is gonna talk about the storehouses of the wise. It's okay to keep stuff back so you can extend and be independent, but it's not about being independent. It's about having enough New Testament mentality, working and having enough to then give to others. It's having a surplus. Organize your life. Handle your money properly. Plan properly. Last bit of toes I need to step on here. Eat, sleep, and exercise so you can serve God longer in your life. That doesn't mean a health aberration won't come. You could be six foot, what are you, six foot four, roughly, in your 40s, good health, and stuff can happen. Not his fault. That does, that's life under the sun. But, eating, sleeping, resting, exercising, staying active, staying engaged with your life is going to extend the amount of time you can minister to other people versus needing to be ministered to. And there's nothing wrong There's nothing wrong. When stuff hits your life and health comes, it's okay. Because that gives the rest of us somebody to serve. That's not a problem. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. It's not a, this is not a guilt trip. This is encouragement. Do the best you can with what you've got so you can do the best for God longer. 
and shine the light brighter and shine the light wider. Does that make sense? Organize your life. Read, pray, commit, talk, serve. And here's the last word, a word of warning. Beware of your strengths. Write down, beware of strengths. <laughs> Some of you are really good at talking. But you're not very organized. Some of you are really good at your private prayer and reading schedules. But you're not really good about talking about your faith with strangers. The Christian life, we need some balance. Proverbs is going to teach us we need balance in all of these areas. Don't just do what you're good at. Spend some effort and time working on the things you're not good at. Well, if I, man, if I spend the time to work on my finances and do my budget, that's less time I can spend evangelizing or talking about my faith. Don't see it that way. The more time you spend organizing over here, reading, praying over here, getting everything into balance, the more you're going to have to say when you talk to people about your faith. It will balance out. It will make you better in all the other areas of your life. Your greatest strength can be stronger when you strengthen your weaknesses because you're slowly pulling everything up and all of your life is going to have a brighter appeal. And then you can talk to anybody about anything. How cool is that? Last couple blanks. A change in heart leads to a change of habits. Change of heart. Now, it is also true you can change your habits and your heart be dead. So the, the, the reverse is not always true. What we, want, what we want is our heart to change first and then our habits will change. Amen, Michael? Because you can go and fix all these things in your life and your heart be dead. And just do it because Craig said to do it. This book said to do it. My wife said to do it. Your wife wants you to do it for the right reasons, not because she said to do it. She wants to change your heart, not just your behavior. God does not just want you to change your behavior. This is a heart issue. Here's a really common phrase. Next slide. I do these things. I go to church. I give. I serve. I read so I can be right. I do these things. I organize my life. I serve others. I talk about my faith so other people see me serving so I look right. I'm doing these things so I can act right. Just do me a favor and cross that out. That is a really common mentality for church people and it is wrong. We do not do Christian things so we can be right. That is upside down and deadly. It's called legalism. It will squash your faith. It will, it, it's painful. So here's the last phrase. Here's how we should say it. Why do you do what you do? Why do you, why do you, why do you bother? Why do you work so hard in all these areas of your life? Why do you try to let God into all these areas of your life? Here's my response. I care about Jesus. So here's how I'm changing insert all of your habits i do them because i care about jesus i read because i care about jesus i pray because i care about jesus 
I commit because I care about Jesus. I talk about my faith because I care about Jesus. I serve other people because I care about Jesus. I organize my life because I care about Jesus. Proverbs is not a rule book. Proverbs is a heart book. Stand with me. Let's pray. Make sure as you go, you uh, grab one of our three by five cards and write down some prayer requests. We really want to update that list and get it into your hands so we can pray for one another. Bow your heads. God, we come to you this morning and we say thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Make us merciful. Thank you for your grace. Help us to be graceful. Thank you for your peace. Help us to be peaceable. Thank thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Help us to be generous forgivers. And thank you for serving us. Teach us how to serve like that. Change our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, your name is power. Jesus, your name is mine. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. Jesus, your name is life. Jesus, your name. Jesus, your name gives sight. Jesus, your name will free every captive. Jesus, your name is life. Jesus, your name is holy. Jesus, your name. your name above every other Jesus your name is mine Jesus your name is mine the benediction for today is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. May the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people just as we also do for you so that he may establish your hearts without blame in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. You are dismissed.